Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. It's a Tuesday night. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. So much to get through. As promised, body bags, bushfires, and big bumbly breasts. Breasts. This is the place to be for the real important stuff. We're going to have some fun. You'll laugh, you'll cry. Tonight's recommended drink, ladies and gentlemen. A nice chilled Chardonnay. Tonight's recommended snack. Nachos with no toppings. Just dry chips. Skull! Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this Tuesday night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I'm Boogie Bumper. Hopefully your host for the next couple of hours or so. We'll see how we go. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing the show out. If you did, if you didn't, well, that's okay too. I guess you can stick around. Like I said, so much to get through. Um, I keep running out of time on the shows. I I think I need to plan better because I just dump a whole bunch of stuff in the file. And as we go through, you know, the shows, as we go through the days and the weeks, I extract things out of the file. But the file is growing quicker than I can clear them. Holy shit, what the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get that off the screen, whatever the hell's going on there. Um, Yeah, that was a little too much. That was a little too big. Um, So, so much to get through. We will try to power through a few things today. I did promise. I don't know why Periscope is now accepting super hearts again. I've turned it off. I've turned it off. If you're out there, I appreciate the thought, but please don't waste your money um, giving Periscope super hearts because they won't let me take it. Like, I don't get it. It just ends up being in the ether somewhere. I don't get it. You can't. I can't refund it. So it just goes back to the company for whatever reason. They won't let me take super hearts, so... I've turned it off a few times now, and for some reason, it's turned itself back on again. Funny that. Funny that. Uh, if you would like to leave a tip for tonight's program, the best way to do it, ladies and gentlemen, would be dlive.tv slash boogiebumper or the URL down the bottom of the screen here, streamlabs.com slash boogiebumper. Become a sub- uh, supporter by heading over to patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Subscribe by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to complain about the super hearts and you could do so, by following me on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. So much to get through, ladies and gentlemen. So little time. Let's start off with this, though. This is something I never normally do on this show. Never, ever, 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 ever. But we're going to do it today. Breaking news. We have breaking news, folks. I thought this might be of some interest. Don't worry, we'll get to the game of drones. Jussie Smollett, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no. America's favorite son, a patriotic beating heart, fan of the midnight snack, Hollywood sweetheart, heartthrob, Jussie Smollett, favorite son of Chicago, honored by the Chicago and police forces. Unfortunately, they just have to keep a brother down because he's been indicted once again. Can you believe it? Can you believe the injustice? Can you believe the oppression? Can you believe the unbridled fucking racism that this guy has to deal with? 
I'm pissed about this. He was already found innocent. He was already cleared by his friend who worked for the government. What other evidence could there possibly be? What other scenarios could even possibly exist? Jassy Smollett. The new charges were announced by a special prosecutor, Dan K. Webb, which, <laughs> I don't know, uh, rather sillily appeals to me as Dank Webb. Dank Webb who was assigned to the case after a judge, ladies and gentlemen, ruled that the local prosecutor had not properly handled it the first time. This is coming to you direct from the right-wing extremist hate publication, otherwise known as the New York Times. A grand jury in Chicago, Chicago, has revived the criminal case against actor Jussie Smollett, indicting him Tuesday on charges that he staged a hate crime attack on himself. See, he's just so fucking talented, isn't he? I didn't even know. <laughs> the indictment came 11 months after prosecutors... That was 11 months ago. Doesn't time fly? It seems like only yesterday we were talking about nooses and Subway sandwiches and bleach. 11 months ago. After prosecutors dropped similar charges against him, the new charges were announced by a special prosecutor, Dank Webb, who was assigned to the case after a judge ruled that the Cook County State's attorney, Kim Fox, had not properly handled it the first time. Mr. Smollett was charged a year ago with filing a false police report after the Chicago police concluded that he had paid two brothers to stage an attack on him in which they shouted homophobic and racial slurs and yelled, This is MAGA country! <laughs> a reference to President Trump's 2016 campaign slogan, the police said Mr. Smollett was looking for publicity because he was unhappy with his salary on the television show Empire, which dropped him from the cast after his arrest. But then he was rehired again. And wasn't there a rumour going around that he was about to be written out of the show, like Jussie was about to be killed off in the program? I don't know, I've never watched it. The police had built a case based on surveillance camera footage, interview with the brothers, text exchanges between the men and Mr. Smollett, and a check he had given them. There's quite a bit of uh, circumstantial evidence. None of the text exchanges explicitly mentioned a staged attack, and Mr. Smollett maintained that the money was to hire the brothers to physically train him, train him for an upcoming video. It reminds me of that movie that came out, what is it, Get Hard? Remember when the guy hires somebody who he thinks is a tough ex-con to train him before he goes into prison to make him a tough ex-con? <laughs> I don't know. Look, here's the thing with this. Um, everybody knew he was... Well, I can't, I can't even say that now. Everybody assumed that he was guilty after the first time, right? After all this information came out and all of the subsequent information. And then he was let off the charges. Not even a smack on the wrist. And pretty much everyone hated it. Pretty much everyone at that point like said this is fucked something is up here something stinks this is bullshit but then it's kind of gone away again hasn't it it's kind of dissipated into the background and nobody was really talking about it anymore my first suspicion do you remember on this show we played the press conference from the chief of police in chicago that was my first impression that this guy it it, it may be more probable that he's guilty than not guilty 
because I thought it was an extraordinary step for the chief of police of Chicago to come out and make a press conference, do a press conference on this topic in which he said things like, I'm really upset that we wasted so many resources. Um, What this guy has done to us is an embarrassment. It's disgusting. Uh, We're really pissed off. The, The chief of police would not come out and make those kinds of statements in a case like this unless he was really sure that the guy had done what he was being accused of, right? Unless he was supremely confident, because the police don't generally come out and do those kinds of things. They will generally come out and say, well, the allegation is. But there was none of that with this uh, Jussie Smollett thing. The chief of police was like, oh, no, this guy fucking did it, and we're really pissed off about it. It was pretty final. So then when he got let off, the chief of police was ropeable, as you could imagine. And now it seems the long arm of the law slowly, perhaps is tapping Jussie Smollett on the shoulder once again. Which, of course, like I said, is just another example of pure racism, pure oppression, pure bigotry. Trying to keep a brother down. He just wants to act, man. He has a dream. He has a dream. He has goals. And the police doing what they do. Standing in the way of a young black man and fame and fortune. It's disgusting. So we'll see what happens. I'm not going to get ex- I'm not excited. I really don't care that much about Jussie Smollett. But I'm not going to have any expectation. I'm not going to think anything unless the guy is actually cuffed and walked into a prison cell. Up until that point, anything's possible. And I'm fucking sick. I'm sick of people who are constantly saying, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Oh, it's coming. People are getting locked up, blah, blah, blah. Because they can't even throw this guy in jail <laughs> at this point. What hope, what hope do you think there is for an all-seeing, all-conquering, all-pervasive, satanic, worldwide cabal run by the most powerful men in human history? What hope do you think there is of them getting thrown in prison when you can't throw a shitty hack actor in prison for staging a fake crime against himself? Let me tell you what, let's start with Jussie Smollett. And then if justice is served in that regard, then maybe we can move on to the satanic cabals. How about that? (laughs) Thank you for the diamond gypsy. I've put the sounds back on now. Where did you steal the diamond gypsy? Who did you steal the diamond from, gypsy? (coughs) Pardon me. I also want to do a little follow-up from yesterday. Then we'll get into the Corona Chan. I watched this video last night. This came out on the weekend here, Sunday night. As you can see, it's very cleverly titled Game of Drones. Um, We've spoken about drones before, right? We've spoken about drones in the context of citywide surveillance, pervasive, all, you know, all pervasive surveillance 24-7 of private citizens. We did the story yesterday about Baltimore, which is now launching a pilot program that sees little... <laughs> This is going to sound, it sounds crazy if you weren't here yesterday. Literally spy planes that were used in Iraq, flying over battlefields, flying over towns and and villages, looking for terrorists, apparently. Literally the same company who was doing the same spy planes are now using those spy planes on the citizens of Baltimore to quote unquote, stop criminals. So obviously you could feel tremendously safe. And then I gave you, you know, my rather bleak outlook about where we're heading with all of this yesterday when I said, 
the sad reality. Like in the last five years, I've come to the realization that it doesn't matter what you have to present. It doesn't matter what evidence you give people. It doesn't matter how you present it. It doesn't matter what you say. The sad reality is the majority of people either don't care that their individual freedom and their privacy is being stripped away on a daily basis from all sides in politics. Doesn't fuck left and right. Don't care. It's a conservative government in the UK that arrests people who refuse to have their picture taken by the police on the streets of London. It's a conservative government in Australia that wants to introduce facial recognition technology in schools in order to uh, keep track on your children. It's a it's a and apparently a conservative government in the US that wants to pressure Apple now to give up their encry- uh, encryption keys to provide the NSA a backdoor into your personal data legally. Legally provide that backdoor. So fuck the left and right thing. Fuck it. So I gave you the bleak outlook that most people don't care, and if they don't care, then they'll probably want it. Um, I read a poll yesterday that came out late last year that said 74% of Baltimore residents apparently want 24-hour aerial surveillance of themselves in their own city. So that's what you're dealing with. And like I said, the guy who spoke to me last year, his words ring in my ear every single time I read a story like that. People will build their own prison cells, they will lock themselves in their own cells, and then they will throw away the key because somebody else is promising them safety. And that's exactly what we're seeing play out. So I watched this clip last night. We're not going to watch all 10 minutes of it because we've got too much to get through. Thank you for joining us on the Daily Boogie podcast. This 60 Minutes report from Australia. I want you to pay special attention. I'm going to be pausing. I'm going to be pointing stuff out. Pay special attention to how this uh, topic is presented. Pay very close attention to the work that's being put in by this mainstream media program in order to present drones and drone life and the issues surrounding drones in a particular light. (laughs) Let's have a look. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's a drone. You know, that gag gets better every time I hear it. It was true in the 1980s, and it's even truer almost 40 years later today in 2020. Small, agile, and amazingly cheap flying machines that are revolutionising the way we... Men in their flying machines, they go up, 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 and then they come down, down, down. ...see the world. Drones are the new frontier in aviation. From sport to policing, wedding videos to warfare... Sport, policing, wedding videos, and warfare. These amazing flying machines can go anywhere, film anything. It seems the sky really is the limit. Sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. Let's head out to the desert and see some real Australians with some sick cars. Do a skid, bro. Do a burnout, bro. If only there was some way we could film this car doing sick burnouts from the air. If only somebody provided a cheap and workable and revolutionary solution to this fucking problem. So how much have you spent on it? Um, this one cost us $300. No prizes for guessing why they call this the shitbox rally. <laughs> the shitbox rally. 
smoke machine here. And... So a smoke machine if you're being pursued by the highway cops. Yeah, we can get away. Quick, get away. Cheech and Chong. 150 old bombs that have escaped the wreckers' yard for one final heroic mission. An epic 4,000-kilometre bash from Perth to Darwin in the aid of charity. We really are a strange population at times. <laughs> any, I guess any excuse for a road trip. Uh, well, it's the yellow submarine. Um, we did have a propeller on the back, but that. The yellow submarine. Yeah. The the bad the the tradition of the bad pun lives on in Australia. Uh, it makes me very proud. It brings a tear to my eye. Fell off. Um... But today, this old technology is about to meet the new. Here we go. Yep. Welcome to the drone age. Holding position. Head start spinning up. So as you can see, <laughs> only beneficial at this point. Let's move on. Because I remember I said to you in that show last week, it's not just about being able to take pretty pictures here. And sometimes nefarious things, sometimes deceitful and bad things are gift wrapped as something that we absolutely need or absolutely must have. In fact, not sometimes, most of the time to make it palatable. So it's other uses in society can just be, uh, you know, promoted, soft promoted and soft installed without too much rejection, too much anger from people without too much debate or discussion. So let's look, it's all, it's all positive. It's all, it's all good stuff. It seems drones are everywhere. Drones are everywhere now. Look, I can film the sheep. I can take pictures of fire. I can take pictures of fires now. That's good. Yep. Only beneficial applications. Bring you as close to the Niagara Falls as you'll ever get. Wow. Huh? Water. I've got water. Volcanoes. So it's very cool. An active volcano, you can almost... don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the images aren't cool. I'm not saying it's awesome. But just wait. <laughs> just feel the heat. Just wait for it. The ability to move something in three-dimensional space, to go and monitor something. It could be monitoring wildlife. It could be monitoring forests. People are trying to use... What else could it be monitoring? These flying machines to inspect bridges or whatever other object you need to or, move to or, or to reach places. Well, the flying machine can just do it on its own. So it gives rise to enormous flights of imagination. <laughs> it does. <laughs> whatever you can... If you can dream it, you can do it with drones. So what the vehicle is doing right now is it's first figuring out the trajectory of the ball. Then it figures out where it should move to intercept it. Um. <laughs> mm -hmm. So this guy is throwing the ball up in the air. The drone position, within fractions of a second, the drone positions itself under the ball. It maps the traject uh, trajectory of the ball, the speed of the ball, how high it's been thrown, the rate that it drops. It positions itself under the falling ball and then 
puts itself at a specific angle so it hits the ball back to the person who threw it. All within fractions of a second. <laughs> and, and I mean, look at the host. He's like, wow, that's so awesome. <laughs> hey, do you want to try it? I've actually seen the guy who's uh, showing the host around. I've actually seen a lecture of his. He he gave a lecture on, um, you know, future applications of technology and stuff. And whilst most people in there were like, oh, yeah, in standing ovations, I think I was the only one who was sitting in my chair afterwards going, we are so fucked. <laughs> Good one. At the forefront of this drone revolution is inventor and robotics engineer, Raffaello Dondrea. Oh, no, sorry. I'm apologising to a machine. I'm apologising to a machine. Don't worry, there's going to be plenty of that in the future, I suspect. It'll be apologising to the machine, begging to the machine, please don't kill me. At his flying machine lab here in Zurich, Raf is using sophisticated computing instructions or algorithms... Or algorithms? ...to develop drones that can think for themselves. I think he's got it. What's interesting about this algorithm is that it's doing this about 50 times per second. So every 20 milliseconds, it's recalculating the trajectory of the ball and where it should go to intercept it. Am I here at the beginning of something big? I mean, is this like dropping in to see Mr. Gutenberg with his first printing press? Is this going to change the world? Well, I think this is a very visual demonstration of what machines can do, but I think it's a gradual process. I think it's a gradual process. Remember yesterday we spoke about the Canadian government. The Canadian government is now pushing an idea that they want access to your encrypted person-to-person messages, your personal private messages. So if you use an app like WhatsApp, for example, and you have you know end-to-end -end encryption and you send personal messages back and forth to someone else, the Canadian government now wants in on that conversation. They, they want in on that conversation. Their excuse for this is that they need to protect the integrity of their elections. And they're worried that people are passing, quote unquote, fake news and misinformation to each other in these encrypted messages. Therefore, in their eyes, they have a right to, you know, muscle in, to elbow their way into your private conversations. Now, to be fair to the presentation that we were watching on CBC, the government-funded media arm, uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, they, they said that might be a little too extreme because that's probably going to break the internet. But what the Canadian government can do is audit information in semi-private chat rooms. <laughs> so they want in. They want access. They want to audit how people speak to each other in private online chat rooms. Horrifying thought. And the fact that people are out there promoting it, that's even more horrifying to me. But I made the point, they never go to the extreme straight off the bat. They never go straight to the extreme. It's always a process. So you throw the extreme suggestion out there, people say, oh, no, that's crazy. So you wind it back maybe five or six steps and go, oh, well, how about this? And they go, well, at least it's not the extreme step that we're doing. So then everybody accepts it, but then you just get closer to the extreme step because the next time you suggest screwing it down, next time you suggest ramping it up, you have you know half as far to go than you did two years ago. 
They even say this in presentations. They even tell you what they're doing in presentations like this. This feels like the small, this feels like the first step to something more. This feels like we're part of a process here. We're going to get more drones, more surveillance, more cameras, more AI. Trust me, it's happening, guys. This is just part of the process. You better get used to it now. By the way, isn't it cute how this I could throw this little ball up in the air and it can throw it back to me? Isn't that adorable? Huh? Isn't that great? Don't you feel safe? In Baltimore, don't you feel safe that there are literally now planes flying around 24 hours a day, retroactively mapping people's movements in the city to make you feel safe? Huh? The soaring interest in drones means that the skies will soon be a clutter with these flying machines. They're delivering beer. Look, delivering beer in Cancun? What could possibly go wrong? I only see positives here. Not very safely. Listen to the music change. Do, 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 do. Don't move. Pulling and teeth out. extracting teeth. It came out. The drone took out the tooth. Not recommended. Here in Australia, the law governing unmanned aerial vehicles is a grey area. <laughs> of course it's a grey area. Of course it's a grey area. It's like, why do you think uh, social media platforms or platforms like YouTube have ambiguous language in their terms of service? Like, think about it. If you could make a clear rule set in stone, if you could clearly draw a line so there is no ambiguity, so there is no misconception, so there is no mistaking what the rule is, People will, tr people will push the line. People will go right up to the line. People will try to find ways around the rule. If you keep the rule ambiguous and a grey area, then people will operate within themselves because they don't know where the line is. They won't push it because they don't know how far they can push. Now, of course, there's a grey area when it comes to drones. Thank you, Sleep Lady, for the diamond. Much appreciated. Of course there's a grey area for drones because it's not only people, is it, who are using the things to fly up and take pictures of cars as they drive across the desert. They're not the only ones with an interest in what drones can do. There may be people who are working on, I don't know, security and surveillance solutions who may require a little bit of grey area in order to experiment with these machines and see how far they can push the grey area, right? See what they can get away with, eh? So of course it's am of course it's ambiguous. Of course it's a grey area. If you set in stone now something like, I don't know, uh, it's illegal to surveil people without their knowledge using flying machines above their house or something like that, why, you may be stopping a multi-million dollar security industry from starting up. We wouldn't. We don't want that. The laws of physics, however, are black and white. A okay, I've seen enough of this. <laughs> Look, listen to this crap, would you? <laughs> beautiful weddings, yeah. I love my baby and I love my drones. I'm going to take my baby and my drones home. We'll make sweet love and film it every night. 
From above you can see that my ass is so wide. Yeah. Drone love. We love our drones. Skip ahead here. I'm done without. I think it's kind of funny. I've been doing video professionally 10 years, trying to make great work, but the one thing that everybody wants to see is somebody getting hit in the head with a quadcopter. There you go. The dangers of drones aren't restricted to their civilian use. Here we go. So Here's it's taken the- seven minutes of a 10 minute report. Seven minutes with the fluffy stuff. Seven minutes with all oh, the weddings, all oh, the cars, all oh, the pretty, the pretty pictures. Oh, look at this volcano! Oh, isn't it great? Seven minutes of oh, look at the skyline. Seven minutes of this clever little drone is throwing the ball back to me. Seven minutes of puff. Seven minutes of fluff. Seven minutes of filler. Then we finally get to the important stuff. But watch, pay very close attention the way they just dismiss it out of hand. They just wave the concerns away like they don't even exist. The American military had the technology and the money to launch unmanned aircraft. They've been used with deadly efficiency, killing hundreds of terrorists. Got to kill those bad guys, huh? Good, good stuff. We like killing the bad guys, don't we? And by some accounts, even more innocent civilians. Oh, by some accounts. Now there's a prospect of terrorists deploying drones, which has Raffaello Dondrea worried. Huh? What? I what? think their use in terrorism should be of a concern simply because oh. they are oh. so small. I mean, yeah. you can imagine having a hundred of them. Yes, I can. Distributed yes. with their own payload. And mm. if you have a whole bunch of them, it's very difficult to take them all down. Yeah. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. What a fucking amazing turn of events. The drone guy who wants who wants to sell his drones to like law enforcement and government and have his drones fly it around, who's developing these AI-infused fucking super drones, he doesn't like the idea of other people having drones. <laughs> Amazing! Wow! What a revelation! Well, I think it's very concerning that uh, people who would be out there using these drones for perhaps, you know, dangerous purposes, maybe, you know, nasty reasons, very mean people out there. I think it's very concerning that they could have potentially hundreds of these little drones flying around. Yes, I agree. So close the factory down, (laughs) get the fuck out of there and start selling shoes, mate. So I am concerned about their use Mm. of terrorism. The rise of the drone is also giving rise to a brave new world, not least in the development of unmanned aerial surveillance. We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, and only, you know, long-time OG listeners to this podcast, viewers of this live stream will remember the conversation. I'll quickly touch on it again. I raised with you, this was a couple of years ago, the spectre, the potential future situation that we would have drones flying around the city as part of, you know, the authorities, as part of, you know, police operations, constant surveillance. And they, they, you know, with facial, coupled with facial recognition software, we did the story last week of the Australian developer who has now convinced 600 uh, law enforcement agencies in the US to use his software 
What his software does is take a photo of anybody anywhere and then match that photo up with anything that has been shared on social media profiles. So, oh, and he's also coupling it with virtual reality glasses, by the way. So you can walk down the street, the glasses will automatically take snapshots of people's faces as you walk past them and then bring up their information, where they work, who they're friends with, where they're from, you know, their address, their name, their birthday, everything. Bang. Right there. Because his program goes around and sweeps images off Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, all of them, and then matches that up with any available known data on you. So 600 uh, law enforcement agencies are using this in the US, but very cutely, the company won't tell you which agencies are using it. They think you don't deserve to know that. So I was talking about this a couple of years ago. Wait for it. Drones with facial recognition software built in, flying around the city, just taking pictures, look, not even looking for anybody in particular, but just taking everybody's picture as they walk around on the street. And if you should happen to wander into a part of town that you're not supposed to be in, if you should be in an area that you're not supposed to be, the little drone will fly down and start talking to you. Boogie Bumper, you're not authorised to be here at this particular time. It's 10.30 in the morning. Uh, according to our readout, you're supposed to be at your office job. Well, I didn't want to go to work today. I wanted to go to the beach. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Boogie Bumper. You have to return to work immediately. You're not supposed to be on, out on the street. Your employer will be informed, right? And then a couple of weeks ago, again, thanks to the coronavirus, we had the hideous footage coming out of China which saw literally drones flying up to people in the street, telling them that they must return home immediately and then following them home. And people say to me, oh, that's China. That's never going to happen here. That's never going to happen here. Thank you for the diamond, Joe Ng. We're all It's already happening. We are already working towards that very future. Look at what we're letting these people get away with. Drones will make it possible to identify and follow anyone, anywhere. Second subject identified. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Don't you feel safe? Doesn't this make you feel safer? What do you got against security, huh? You didn't do anything wrong. What are you worried about, huh? huh? <laughs> now, see, this this is a mock-up. But why would they do this? Why would they present this this way? Because I don't think... I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think that we're actually at this level yet. But don't worry. You'll find out in a couple of minutes that we're not at this level because the technology can't handle it. We're not at this level because the police haven't decided to do it yet. That's the only thing that's stopping them at this point is they haven't decided to implement this technology. Because if you implement this kind of technology that can do this without first, I don't know, mentally preparing the population for this new standard, for this new invasive set of circumstances, then they're going to reject it. So you need to soft sell the idea. You need to work up to it. It's like you don't walk straight up to the girl in the bar and just grab her on the crotch. No, 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 no. 
You sit down, you buy her a drink, you tell a couple of jokes, you share a cigarette, you might she might brush your leg with her hand as she reaches for her purse, and then you grab a crotch <laughs> in the back alley, of course. Stand by for sophisticated surveillance systems like facial recognition. There it is. Stand by. Stand by, guys. It's coming. It's coming to make you feel safer. Yes. Vehicle matches description. An automatic number plate identification. Threat level four. Malicious intent. While not yet being used by police in Australia, they are all available and ready to be made airborne. <laughs> in other words, they've already decided that they're going to do it. You don't develop this kind of technology and show little scenes like this unless your intention is to use it. You don't develop this kind of surveillance tech without using it. Why? Because people don't invest powerful money men don't invest billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars in certain technologies just to have people say, no, thanks. I don't want it. No, no. They're going to make you have it. They don't invest this money just so somebody can turn around and say, no, thank you. No, no, no. They'll lobby governments. They'll lobby law enforcement. They will eventually force people to have it. Because otherwise, those billions and billions and billions of dollars are just thrown down the gurgler. They're, they're wasted. They're pointless. So they don't do that. <laughs> All right, two in okay, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing to see here. What about invasion of our privacy? Finally. So the last... Where are we at? So the last 90 seconds of this video, the host musters up the courage to ask the drone guy... So what about invasion of privacy? Wait, wait until you hear this shit. If you're really going to think about privacy, I think you need to take a step back and uh -huh. say... Take a step back. Whoa, stop asking about privacy. You need to take a step back. Stop being so crazy, man. How does this compare to the fact that anybody with a mobile phone can uh -huh. be walking around with their camera, taking pictures, taking video? Yeah, I... <laughs> you son of a bitch. How does that compare? Listen again. Listen again to the rationale being used here. Step back and say, how does this compare to the fact that anybody with a mobile phone can be walking around with their camera, taking pictures, taking video? Okay. Number one, I don't like the I don't like the fact that people walk around taking pictures with their camera and video with their camera on their mobile phone to begin with. But it's here. So putting that to one side, how does uh, <laughs> Do you, do you see the um, obvious absurdity of this comparison? I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> How does people having a mobile phone compare with law enforcement and government flying drones around the city with facial recognition software? <laughs> How does that compare? Are you saying it's the same fucking thing? Well, if people want to think about privacy, how about the fact that everybody's got a camera on their phone? Yeah, that's pretty bad. I agree. But it's a little bit different to, I don't know, <laughs> unknowing. <clears throat> it's a little bit different to drones flying around the city 24-7, taking your picture and then running you through government fucking databases. Like, I, I, I couldn't believe it when this guy tried to, to push that as, a, as an apt comparison.
I couldn't believe it. But it just shows you the complete lack of, the complete disrespect that they have for you. The complete disrespect they have for privacy. We played the clip yesterday of the guy who runs the company that's that is flying the spy planes over Baltimore. And do you remember the host asked him, is this a spy plane? And he said, let's call it a community service plane. And he said, you know, there's always going to be trade-offs between privacy and security. You're just going to have to deal with it. This is the way they treat. This is the what they think of you. You are going to accept this. Privacy. Fuck privacy. Everybody's got a mobile phone. So you may as well allow 24-hour constant surveillance by the government and law enforcement of you, regardless of whether or not you've done anything wrong. That's just, it's just the same thing. <laughs> incredible isn't it but people people will watch this is the reality people will watch this and either one not care or two agree they will agree with him yeah it's just the same as the mobile phone because people are dumb people are stupid um to me that's more of an invasion of privacy and more hey? of a concern than more of a concern you know, the few flying vehicles looking at crowds from far away <laughs> They, they have they have no regard for you whatsoever. They could not care less what you think, in other words. We're just talking about a few flying machines. Five minutes ago, he was worried that terrorists could have hundreds of drones with individual payloads as little flying kamikaze missiles. That's what he was concerned about. But when you raise the issue of privacy, all of a sudden... Hundreds of little drones with explosives strapped to them, which are being used by terrorists. No, no, that turns into a few flying machines that are taking pictures of crowds from far away. That's all we've got to worry about now that we're talking about privacy. Five minutes ago when we're talking about other people having drones, oh, we need to look at that because terrorists could have hundreds of them and blow shit up. <laughs> it's fucking incredible. From one minute to the next, the story changes to whatever it has to be in order to be convenient at the time. And I'm going to be honest, how many people do you think watched this and actually remembered what he said about the terrorists having drones five minutes earlier? Or were they bamboozled by the wedding photos and the volcanoes and the pictures of cars driving around in the desert and the pretty landscapes and the waterfall? And my God, the Niagara Falls. Don't forget about the Niagara Falls. Wasn't that amazing? Incredible. They don't care. They sincerely do not care. They will They will just lie to you. They will just make shit up. <laughs> what are you worried about? It's just a few machines flying from hundreds of metres away taking pictures of crowds. The mobile phones are much more dangerous. You know, we really need to be concerned about people getting their hands on these flying machines because they could have hundreds of them flying around with explosives strapped to them. I really think we need to do something about the flying machines. I mean, it's fucking, it's mindless, the contradictions. But like I said, they don't care. They will just say whatever they have to say in the moment. Have a look at this. For Rath, the frontier is aviation intelligence. Aviation intelligence. Now we're making up new terms for it. He's programmed his little look at quadcopters this. to balance poles. And even build walls. <laughs> we're so we're so fucked. We are 
fucked. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that video, like everything else we refer to in every episode, will be in the show notes. And like I said, most people just don't care. Most people just do not care. Or they actually want what they're being sold. And yes, we not we are now at a stage where pardon me, double think is not a meme anymore. Double think is not just something that conspiracy theorists refer to who are fans of um George Orwell, right? You, you saw it in action right there. The ability to have uh, two opposing viewpoints simultaneously. So at the same time, this guy believes that drones are dangerous because people can have hundreds of them and strap explosives to them, whilst he also believes that there's nothing to worry about drones because they're just a few flying machines that will take pictures of large crowds from far away. In the same interview... <laughs> So, if you think, you know, I think it was uh, Thomas Jefferson. Thank you for the diamond, Jenny B. I think it was Thomas Jefferson. It might have been Thomas Paine. I'm not sure which one. But I think it was Jefferson that said, you can't rationalise somebody out of a position that they haven't... uh, Sorry, you can't reason somebody out of a position that they haven't reasoned themselves into. And if you're able to have two conflicting viewpoints at the same time, that's not a reasonable position. So you can't give a reasonable argument to that person. I'll see you in hell. They will just make up whatever they need to make up each question as it comes. So we're completely fucked. (laughs) Happy days. All right. Let's do Corona Chan, ladies and gentlemen. I found this article very interesting for a number of reasons. We're going to explore this. Thank you for joining us. You're on the Daily Boogie. I read this earlier this morning and I thought, well, isn't that cute? Isn't that fucking adorable? Look at this. Correcting conspiracy theories about the coronavirus may backfire. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to analyse the origin of this hot take. In the weeks after the new coronavirus began to spread, Sydney doctor Danfin Lim discovered that some of his patients had mistaken theories about masks. For example, they thought the respiratory marks could be recycled and sanitised by being steamed or microwaved, misinformation he believes was shared globally on messaging platforms like WeChat and WhatsApp. Dr Lim, who is a senior vice president of the Australian Chinese Medical Association, I didn't even know there was such an association. The Australian Chinese Medical Association. What do they know that the rest of us don't? The medical so it's a medical association for Australian Chinese people, right? Shouldn't we just have one for everybody? No, that would be racist, of course. Remember, we're living in a time when you can have conflicting viewpoints at the same time, and that's just normal. He's a senior vice president of the Australian Chinese Medical Association. Said people can share rumours and ill-advised advice online without the intention of harming others. They don't understand the consequences of forwarding an unverifiable source of information, he added. Remember, you are being attacked from all sides right now. They are coming for your private conversations every chance they get. While the novel coronavirus outbreak seems to have begun in the city of Wuhan, its spread has been matched online by the circulation of half-truths and paranoia about the cause of the disease and how to prevent it. 
We're told to wash our hands and stay at home to avoid spreading viral diseases like the flu. But on social media and messaging apps where a post made in New York can reach the suburbs of Sydney at blistering pace, there are conflicting messages about how to best fight the contagion. And I would just also add as a little caveat, uh, you're also being called a racist if you dare suggest that the infected area should have been quarantined as soon as anybody knew about this outbreak. Just to let you know. And in some situations, efforts by public health authorities or authorities to directly combat misinformation could have an unintended and even opposite effect. Do you remember how we've spoken about in the, over the past month or so, ladies and gentlemen, the concept of information apocalypse? Which is a state that we're now living in. Uh, but we applied it to politics in the past, right? Information apocalypse. A quick briefing on what the concept of information apocalypse is. It's you just you just pump information into society nonstop, 24-7, overload people with information. Real information, but also false information. Because anybody can make somebody believe a lie. That's easy enough to make somebody believe a lie. But the object of information apocalypse is to get people to believe nothing. So when they are presented with real information, they refuse to believe it because they can't believe anything because they have been, their psyche has been bombarded for so long with lies and truths and half-truths and manipulations that they don't know what to believe anymore. It's almost a kind of manufactured nihilism, to put it one way. That's the point of information apocalypse. Tainted truth. Epidemics and outbreaks are often accompanied by conspiracy theories and misinformation, as was the case in Brazil in 2015 and 2016 during an outbreak of the mosquito-borne Zika virus. In China, where the coronavirus outbreak is more extensive, anxiety about the disease is naturally high. But because rumours are easily spread on social media and among communities, they filter through to Australians, encouraging an unwarranted level of paranoia. Unwarranted. For example, at Westmead Hospital in Sydney, Dominic Dwyer, Dr. Dominic Dwyer, has fielded questions like, should I be in public places and should I be going to Chinese restaurants? Even though health authorities here have issued no such advice in Australia, the authorities haven't said anything, so there's nothing to worry about, of course. He also sees an undercurrent of anti-Chinese racism, <laughs> which I told you was coming. Remember, I said this was going to be the point. They're going to turn it into racism. He also sees an undercurrent of anti-Chinese racism in some of the misinformation that spread. Quote, if it happened in Australia, we'd be horrified if people saw us as bringers of disease and death. So I want to, I want to explore why is it, why could it possibly be the case that people are not just, I don't know, believing the quote-unquote accepted health authorities why could that possibly be the case are people just racist like some claim uh have we become far too cynical do we want to believe in conspiracy theories or is it by design let's leave everything on the table for now start off with this this was in zero hedge the other day did china's 10 cent accidentally leak the true terrifying coronavirus statistics 
Tencent told Taiwan News in a statement that the image had been doctored, although the outlet writes, however, a Taiwanese netizen who wished to remain anonymous confirmed to Taiwan News on February 7 that he too had witnessed the much higher numbers on the Tencent page at 3.30am. He said that when he checked the webpage again the next day, he noticed the figures had been substantially lowered. So, where is the number? Where is the number? While the number of cured cases was only 269, well below the official number of the day, that of 300, most ominously, the death toll listed was 24,500. Vastly higher than the 300 officially listed that day. So this came out, you know, courtesy of an official Chinese government artery, and then they corrected it back to 300. So... Let's look at conspiracy theory number one. Why could it possibly be that silly peasants out there in the world, silly little citizens who are just believing racist stories on Twitter, why could it possibly be that they have, you know, some misgivings, some kind of apprehension, some kind of cynicism when it comes to the official figures coming out of China? Well, number one might be the fact that over the last 30 years, China has been notorious for fudging official government figures. China essentially, the Chinese government essentially never tells the truth when it comes to things like economic forecasts, for example. And you can find this all for yourself rather easily when, you know, world financial uh, institutions, you know, finance companies and whatnot have been saying for over a decade that, you know, the rampant accelerated growth that is talked about in terms of China is entirely fictitious. And again, you have to remember, you're dealing with a communist government here. Communist governments are not known for being honest about their, their projections and about their economic standing, generally speaking. And of course, if the situation in China were more dire than people suspected, then it may be harder to get people to invest in that part of the world. So that's number one. Uh, number two is... The Wall Street Journal, of all places, even reported not that long ago that a large number of deaths that were attributable to the coronavirus uh, virus were actually placed under... Uh, God, my mind's escaping me now. I need a sip of smart juice. God, what's the word I'm looking for? When you have a, when you're cold, When you have a cold and your lungs filled with fluid. Pneumonia. God, I, I must be tired. So what happened was a whole bunch of people died because of the coronavirus and the Chinese authorities put it down as death by pneumonia and not coronavirus. Even the Wall Street Journal, ladies and gentlemen, was reporting on this. So that's another reason why, I don't know, uh, random idiots out there on the internet may have some kind of skepticism, may be believing, you know, conspiracy theories, right? Uh, there's also this, the World Health, uh, World, World Health, the World Health Organization warns coronavirus, now dubbed COVID-19, for what reason I don't know, is public public enemy number one, and more powerful than a terrorism attack. We now have a name for the disease. Disease, and it is COVID. 19. A virus can have more powerful consequences than any terrorist action. And that's true. 
And if the world doesn't want to wake up and consider this enemy virus as public enemy number one, I don't think we will learn from our lessons. So whilst Western governments, like the government of Australia, for example, when people were flying in from Wuhan by the thousands and landing at Sydney Airport, do you know what our government was doing? For two weeks, for two weeks, they kept the borders open. We were taking 40 planes a day because in that two weeks, you see, I've explained this before, the third biggest industry in Australia is the foreign student program. It is our third highest moneymaker in this country. The bulk of foreign students who attend our universities come from China and they pay top dollar to be here. So the two, for the two weeks where we weren't doing anything, where we didn't close the borders, those were the two weeks before universities went back to school. So we had to allow, you know, one, you can call me a cynical conspiracy theorist if you wish, but it makes sense to me that we had to leave the borders open for those two weeks in order to let all of the foreign students come back because we rely too much on the money that they pay the government. Just a thought. Just a thought. As soon as university went back on that day, on the Monday, the government came out and announced, oh, by the way, we're not taking any more planes anymore. Conveniently, huh? I'm sure it's just a coincidence. So while the... (laughs) So for that two weeks, what they were doing was handing out pamphlets to people who flew in from China. And on this pamphlet, it said, if you are experiencing any flu-like symptoms, please call this number. And we gave them a government hotline. But the hotline was only open between the hours of nine in the morning and five in the afternoon, Monday to Friday. (laughs) That was our government response to the viral crisis. A pamphlet whilst you get off a plane in Sydney. Welcome to Sydney. Please enjoy your stay. I hope you enjoy going back to school. By the way, here's a pamphlet. If you're dying, just ring that number, but don't stress too much. So while we're doing that, while we're saying there's no reason, there's no reason to say anything. There's no reason to change your behavior. Don't, don't panic. Nothing's going on. While we're saying, while our government is saying that, the World Health Organization is giving press conferences and saying this is public enemy number one. <laughs> I wonder how conspiracy theories start to gain ground when two government officials are telling them two different, very different stories. Wonder how that happens. Then, of course, I wonder how conspiracy theories start when things like this happen. Li Wenliang, coronavirus kills Chinese whistleblower doctor. Do you remember this guy? This is the guy who came out and said that there is a virus and it's deadly and it's coming for all of us, and we need to fucking do something about it because this thing is going to blow up. This is the guy who discovered the virus. A Chinese doctor who tried to issue the first warning about the deadly coronavirus outbreak has died. The hospital treating him has said, Li Wenliang contracted the virus while working at Wuhan Central Hospital because, as you know, doctors who are treating people with the flu die all the time, obviously. He had sent out a warning to fellow medics on the 30th of December, but police told him, quote, to stop making false comments. 
Do you remember we showed the video of the police in China knocking on the door of people who were making posts about coronavirus and telling them that they need to delete their posts and post instead an, an apology saying that they got it wrong, otherwise they will be arrested? Nothing to see here. I wonder how conspiracy theories start, huh? I guess, it's, I guess it all just comes from the dark, racist corners of the internet, and that's about it. There had been contradictory reports about his death. This also adds into the mix, which makes it even more delicious. But the People's Daily now says he died on Friday. The virus has killed 636 people. This was only a week ago, so it's over 1,000 now. Official, officially over 1,000, but we don't know. Uh, has killed 636 people and infected 31,000 in mainland China, the National Health Commission's latest figures show. What is Li Weang's story? Uh, Dr. Li, an anthropologist, posted his story on Weibo from a hospital bed a month after sending out his initial warning. The 34-year-old had noticed seven cases of a virus that he thought looked like SARS. On the 30th of December, he sent a message to fellow doctors in a chat group warning them to wear protective clothing to avoid infection. How dare he? Stop sending out false information, doctor. <laughs> and, and isn't that fucking horrifying? A doctor is telling other fellow doctors, hey, I think that there's some kind of weird virus going around. Make sure you wear gloves and make sure you wear protective clothing so you don't get infected. He dies... And the police come out and say, pay no attention to this dead man. <laughs> pay no attention to this dead man who died of this mystery illness. He's putting out false information. There is nothing to be concerned about. Fuck. <laughs> he was one of eight people who police said were being investigated for spreading rumours. Local authorities later apologised to Dr. Lee. I'm sure he took that to his grave. In his Weibo post, he described how on the 10th of January, he started coughing. The next day, he had a fever, and two days later, he was in hospital. He was diagnosed with coronavirus on the 30th of January. So here's a nice little story for you from the good people of, I think it's the BBC. No, Channel 4 in Britain. I'm just, again, we're just analysing how on earth could it possibly be that these conspiracy theorists, uh, these conspiracy theories would gain traction. Like, I guess they're just making it up. I guess they're just pulling these things out of their ass. I guess there is no possible reason to have any kind of skepticism in the official narrative at all, right? I mean, I agree. I agree. I couldn't agree with me more on that one. A shrine to Dr. Li Wenliang outside the hospital where he died. A martyr to telling the truth. He was one of eight medical officials who reported the outbreak at the start and was reprimanded by the Wuhan police for spreading rumours. In Hong Kong, they understand the relationship between secrecy and the spread of the novel coronavirus, which has entered the territory from mainland China. He's the, um, the first group of people who has discovered this disease and uh, he's willing to speak up the truth. And luckily, he, um, the truth was not uh, uh, spread around early. So. Um, so that's why things happen like this. The way they do things is secretive and this is the result. This is the difference between a society with democracy and one without. As news of his death spread, millions of Chinese posted their anger and grief on social media. And then all of those Chinese people later disappeared in the middle of the night. <laughs> with memes about how he'd been gagged, the people's hero, a whistleblower. Others saying Chinese people wake up 
with the hashtag we demand freedom of speech wow <laughs> I, I mean fucking good luck to them good luck to them I, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to work but good luck to them but as soon as the posts go up they're pulled down there you go this content no longer exists <laughs> doesn't exist the social media posts don't exist apparently um not many people know this about China but there is a law in China so I've spoken about this before um, in Western countries, like to do what I'm doing now, you can live stream and then people can retroactively go back and, you know, take the live stream down if you break some kind of rule or some kind of ambiguous terms of service, whatever. Um, or if you're going live and, you know, an algorithm picks you up for, you know, if you're playing porn or doing something like that, it can take you down automatically. But in China, the rule is you're not allowed to, a live stream is not allowed to go to the internet unless a human being is physically monitoring it, like a representative from the government. So any live stream that you see coming out of China at the same time, even if there's only one person watching it, that person must be a representative of the Chinese government. You know, like in a bunker somewhere. All uh, outgoing internet traffic goes through the government before it gets out into the universe. So if you want to live stream about something in China, uh, the first place it goes before it, it gets on the internet, somebody has to okay it and then they'll sit there and watch it. And the second you slip up, the second that you say something wrong, the second you're not being a good little comrade, they kill the stream. And don't worry, they want that. They want that a similar set of circumstances for us too, because that's what they were pushing. They were pushing for exactly that kind of policy in the aftermath of the Christchurch shooting. If you remember, we covered it on this show. You can go back and listen to the podcast, and we read direct quotes from politicians, ladies and gentlemen, who were saying, "Well, we need to do some kind of direct monitoring system because we can't allow this kind of footage to be live streamed out into the world. It's harmful, it's dangerous, so we can't allow this anymore. Essentially arguing for the exact same scenario that they have in China right now. But don't worry, when you bring shit like that up, all you'll get from people generally is something along the lines of, that's never going to happen here. Stop being a fear monger. You're a conspiracy theorist. That's never going to happen here. Should we play the drones with facial recognition software again? <laughs> Should we? Oh. Sid says, His mother spoke to Chinese media. His father and I both cured, but our sadness that our child is not here. He was just 34 years old. He was a child with outstanding talent. He would never tell a lie. At a press conference in Beijing this morning, health officials expressed condolences. <laughs> That's got to be fucking salt in the wound, doesn't it? The doctor that they claimed was... They, the doctor that they arrested and investigated for spreading rumours about the coronavirus, the same government now gets on television and says, we express our deepest sympathy. Our thoughts and prayers are with the family of this guy that we arrested and tried to turn into you know, a criminal... <laughs> for telling the truth about this deadly pandemic which everybody now knows about, which we were trying to keep under wraps. Our, our thoughts, are, our hearts go out to the family. Fuck off. 
Yeah, so I've got no idea where these kinds of conspiracy theories would come from, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, by the way, this was breaking a couple of days ago from the UK government. Yeah, Rand Dizzle in the chat says he's a hero. Of course, I, I agree, 100%. 100%. Not only was he taking on, you know, arguably the deadliest virus to hit since the Black Plague, but he was also taking on the might of the totalitarian Chinese state. Don't get much braver. A serious and imminent threat. This is the UK government public now. health. That's how the health secretary has described coronavirus this morning. It's a declaration uh, given the government's additional powers to help fight the spread of the virus, which has so far infected four people in the United Kingdom. That number. Now, this is where it gets fun. So the UK government has come out and said that this is a, you know, this is a concern. We're dealing with a crisis. Uh, the term they used, the British health secretary quote, a serious and imminent threat. <clears throat> I'm like, good, good. At least because you can't deal with a problem unless you acknowledge a problem exists, right? So I'm like, good good on you, UK. But then the next words, my, my euphoria was short-lived with the next words, special and unique powers. I'm like, hang on a minute. <sighs> hang on a minute. See, you don't need special and unique powers to, I don't know, quarantine a country before a deadly virus is allowed to escape it. You don't need special and unique powers for that. You don't need special and unique powers for health screenings at airports, right? What kind of special and unique powers do you think the UK government <laughs> is looking forward to, ladies and gentlemen? How about... How about something like this? Number of UK coronavirus cases doubles as government warns of imminent threat. The number of people with coronavirus in the UK has doubled hours after new patients in England were confer confirmed to have caught the infection overnight. The four new patients were all contacts of a businessman who was diagnosed in Brighton last week and who contracted the virus at a conference in Singapore. So Singapore's under the gun too. On his way back to the UK, the businessman visited a chalet in a, ch a chalet in the ski region of France, where he met with other Britons who had taken ill. Pardon me. Experts at the Public Health England continue to work hard tracing patient contacts from the UK cases. They successfully identified these individuals and ensured the appropriate support was provided. Well, at least it was appropriate. <coughs> Pardon me. The patients have been transferred to specialist NHS centres at Guy's and St Thomas and Royal Fee Hospitals and are now using robust infection control measures. God, I love that language. Don't you love that language? Doesn't it make you feel safe? Robust infection control measures. <laughs> yeah. It's like containment, right? L listen to this management speak. This And this is the media. The me It used to be the media's job to cut through this kind of propagandized language, this political language, but now they just endorse it. Now they use it themselves. We are now using robust infection control measures to prevent further spread of the virus. And it's the same thing as saying containment after two weeks after you've let hundreds of thousands of people fly all around the world. You can't contain it after that. Containment is supposed to happen at the beginning of the virus, not two weeks after it started to spread. There's no containment now. Containment is a word that health authorities and governments will use to make us feel better, to make us feel safer. 
so we don't engage in some kind of panic. But that's all it is. Just spin. I think I've got the wrong article here. Ah, oh, here we go. He released new powers for the government to fight the spread of the virus, which originated in Wuhan, China. These include, are you ready? Are you ready for this? These include powers to forcibly keep individuals suspected of having coronavirus in, quote, supported isolation for their own safety. (laughs) Do you remember the clip we played a couple of weeks ago of Avi Yemeni being arrested for his own safety? There's nothing new in this world. Forcibly forcibly keep individuals suspecting of having coronavirus, quote, in supported isolation for their own safety. After one of the British nationals being kept in quarantine in Wirral attempted to leave, a government source said the Britain was being kept at Arrow Park Hospital along with some 80 others who were evacuated from Wuhan. So it's, it's, it's bigger than they're saying, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, if, if the cuckiest of all Western governments, that being the UK, which has bent so far over to political correctness that they don't know where their asshole ends and their top of their head begins, right? They are one in the same. So if that government is now literally putting out policies to forcibly keep people restrained for their own safety in isolation, it's we're talking about internment here, right? If they're willing to go that far, how bad must it really be, you see? It's got to be worse than nothing to see here. Otherwise, they would never take that step. It would be too politically damaging in the land of cuck. In response to concerns about whether those contacts were legally, those contracts were legally enforceable, the new action was taken to ensure that individuals can be kept in, quote, supported isolation. The source said the transmission of coronavirus would represent a serious and imminent threat. So to prevent that, we are taking action to enforce the isolation of certain individuals. God, I'm feeling so much safer by the fucking second, aren't you? Don't you feel safe? I wonder where all of these conspiracy theories come from. I wonder why this misinformation is being circulated on social media, ladies and gentlemen where people seem to have this crazy idea that there's more here than meets the eye. People have this crazy idea that something else is going on. Uh, This is footage of the Chinese authorities literally spraying gas in the streets in order to combat this, you know, conspiracy theory of a virus. This is fun. Have a look at that. Look at this. Citywide fumigation. Citywide fumigation. Every nook, every cranny, every doorway, every street, every room. Thank you for coming. I'll see you in hell. I'll see you in hell. Every room now being, every room in the city of millions of people now being filled with toxic gas. Don't you feel safe? There's nothing to see here. I wonder where these conspiracy theories come from. Jesus Christ. And and they're in the hazmat suits 
and everybody that they're running past with this gas machine is just dressed in normal, you know, civilian clothes, just kind of looking like this. Uh, what the fuck is going on here? What the fuck is that? <laughs> and they're, they're running around in hazmat suits. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Unbelievable. Look at it. What's that? About half a dozen trucks all spraying this gas shit into the air? Yeah. I wonder where these conspiracy theories come from. I wonder where they're getting these ideas from. If you're listening to the podcast... There is something that resembles, uh, I don't know, the launcher for a, a World War II era V2 rocket, which is which is spewing fumigation gas right up into the air on, a, on the corner of a city block. I wonder where people are getting these conspiracy theories ideas from. Do you remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, we might have to go overtime tonight because I've got so much to get through. So I hope you'll stick around. You're on the Daily Boogie. Uh, do you remember a couple of weeks ago when we spoke about AI and it's ap the applications for AI in combating the coronavirus? If you remember, the particular article we brought up was people were championing uh, this particular AI program for tracking social media posts about the coronavirus and putting them in an archive in order to find out where the next hotspot is going to be for said virus, right? And which everybody celebrated except yours truly who said, well, I really don't like the idea of uh, government authorities now archiving and cataloging social media posts uh, according to which key words are being used and stuff in order to develop trends. Like, I don't know if I like that or not. Shut up, you conspiracy theorist. What have you got to worry about? What are you, some kind of racist? And so on and so forth. So, so this, I enjoyed this article. Because last, last week we loved AI when it came to talking about the coronavirus. This week we're going to have to say that we hate AI and it's all wrong and we can't, we can't listen to anything that AI says. AI predicts coronavirus could infect 2.5 billion people. <laughs> this has got to be very uncomfortable for the people who are pushing AI solutions in order to fight coronavirus. Because they were saying, hey... Let's just do what the AI says. Let's follow the AI. The AI is never wrong. The AI is excellent at predicting this kind of thing. The AI technology is out of this world. AI is going to help us win the fight against coronavirus. Oh, okay. Uh, so you've punched in the you've punched in the details into the computer. What does the AI have to say? Well, the AI. If I read my computer here, the location of the next chocolate bar, the next location of the golden ticket, is going to be. Oh, it says here that the uh, coronavirus could potentially infect 2.5. I'm sorry, was that 2,500? No, 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 no. Uh, it says uh, 2.5. Uh, we'll spit it out, man. Come on. 2.5. Billion. Billion? Billion. Billion? Not million. Not million. Billion. Billion! <laughs> 
AI predicts coronavirus could infect 2.5 billion and kill 53 million people. Yeah. Got to trust that AI, huh? The AI's never wrong, is it? <laughs> An AI-powered simulation run by a technology executive, a, a technology executive, <laughs> says that coronavirus could infect as many as 2.5 billion people within 45 days and kill as many as 52.9 million of them. Fortunately, however, don't worry, there's always an upside. Fortunately, however, conditions of infection and detection are changing. Oh, good news. (laughs) (laughs) Which in turn changes incredibly important factors that the AI isn't aware of. You see, now all of a sudden, because it suits us, we can find fault with the AI software. Two weeks ago, the AI was never wrong. Today, the AI has a whole bunch of flaws that we didn't even think about. So don't panic, you stupid peasants. Don't panic, you silly conspiracy theorists. Just because last week that just because last week we really championed AI, just because last week we said the AI is always perfect, doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect when we don't want it to be. And that probably this is the article, and that probably means we're safer than we think. I don't know. What do you even do? what do you even say at this point? What do you even say? I wonder where these conspiracy theories are coming from. I guess we'll just do the safe thing. Let's just blame racism, shall we? On Christmas Island, an RAAF airlift of medical equipment. It means quicker results from. Oh come on, Twitter video. Coronavirus tests within two hours as a second Australian was placed in isolation after. It's just the army getting involved in a viral outbreak. Nothing to see here. I wonder where these conspiracy theories are coming from. Showing symptoms. The advice from the Osmat team is that they regard this as a precautionary test <laughs> and a low probability. The- <laughs> I, I don't know. When I see uh, the Australian military being involved in the testing of people on a high security uh, island off the coast of Australia where nobody can get in or out. Nobody can even get within cooey of it without high level clearance. And then the health, the health minister coming, the health authority coming out and saying, no, no, this is just precautionary. (laughs) We're just taking precautions guys. We're just taking precautions. There's nothing to see here. Don't panic. It's just a precaution. Did you send in the military yet? <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want a secure military perimeter around this fucking island. It's just a precaution. Don't panic. I wonder where these. I wonder where these conspiracy theories are coming from. As tests within two hours, as a second Australian was placed in isolation after showing symptoms. The advice from the Osmat team is that they regard this as a precautionary test and a low probability. The first wave of evacuees remains on track to come home Monday if declared disease-free. The only downside would be if someone has it that uh, we'd have to start. If, if, if they were from our block, we'd have to start the 14 days again. On the quarantined Diamond Princess, the ship is stalled. The virus isn't. 66 new cases, including four Australians. But it's not surprising, given that people are so close together in a large cruise ship, that there was a lot of transmission before the quarantine. Or... 
one might add, fucking aeroplanes. <laughs> well, it makes, it makes total sense, you idiot, that on a cruise ship, because people are so close together that, you know, that they could contract the virus from one another. Ooh, it makes total sense. Two weeks ago, these same fucking assholes were saying, don't be ridiculous. People can fly on planes and not catch the virus from one another. What's wrong with you, you racist? You conspiracy theorist? We're not stopping the planes. <laughs> Thank you for the diamond gypsy. Where did you steal the diamond gypsy? Oh, on a cruise ship, people are in close quarters, so of course they're going to catch the virus from one another. Um, um, sorry. Shouldn't we be stopping the planes then? <laughs> What? Don't don't be an idiot. Don't be a conspiracy theorist. We're not stopping the planes, you maniac. <laughs> Thank you, UK Neil, for the diamond. Follow UK Neil on DLive TV, by the way. DLive.tv slash UK Neil. ...in period occurred. The virus continues to spread and so is public fear. The federal government fear. today issued a plea against the discrimination of Australia's Chinese community and... Sorry, sorry. This seems like the appropriate moment for one of these. Can we get a slow clap going for the Australian government? Let's just recap. Let's just recap Australia's response to the coronavirus outbreak. We refuse to stop flying people in from the infected area. Instead, choosing to hand them pamphlets when they got off planes in Sydney airports and then just let them roam about. Let them roam free. And where they are now, who, who fucking knows? Probably in a university somewhere. So we let that happen for three weeks in total, just handing out pamphlets. During that two, two to three week period, the health authorities were saying that there's no point in screening people for the for the virus at the airport. There's no point in doing that because the virus can lay dormant for two weeks. To which my response was, yes, but what if somebody had it two weeks ago and they're now getting on a plane? Shouldn't we screen for them? <laughs> no, don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. There's no point to that. So now we're quarantining people on a highly secure uh, you know, essentially a military, you know, complex on Christmas Island where you need high-level clearance to get in or out of. That's what's happening now. The military is involved. <laughs> the health authorities are saying, well, it makes total sense that people would catch the virus from one another being in close proximity to each other on a cruise ship, but that didn't, that, that didn't affect the aeroplanes. That was totally different. And at the end of all this, at the end of all of this, the Australian government, the population is clamouring, waiting for leadership. They're waiting with bated breath. They're waiting for leadership from their elected officials to guide the path forward, to show them the light, to put everyone's mind at ease. Their response, the Australian government comes out and issues a plea to please don't say mean things to people. <laughs>
please, ladies and gentlemen, I know that you've been engaging in conspiratorial nonsense on the internet in regards to the coronavirus, which you shouldn't worry about, whilst at the same time the military is trying to quarantine people on a military island. But the real point of the story here is the main thing here is please don't offend anybody. <laughs> Thank you, Corona Chan. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> All right. We, we better move on because I do have other things to show you. There, there's your body bag set. Now we're on to the bushfires. <laughs> I told you about this story yesterday. This guy apparently single-handedly saved his town during the bushfire crisis. The worst fires in Australian history. Uh, I think about 30 people have died. Half a billion animals have been killed. Millions of hectares destroyed. Huge, huge devastation. This guy was like a local hero. I'll, I'll tell you what, let's just roll the clip. Let's just show the story. Father of Ford James is a bit of a hero. During the bushfires, he worked 24-7 in his local service station to help families. So, why has he lost his job? Mm. It's about to become Armageddon Bateman's Bay. I worked eight days straight with only eight hours sleep. The sun is blacked out. These were extreme times. Here we are. To locals, James Latter went above and beyond. But to his employer, he fell short. Um, the whole town is ablaze. James was sacked after helping his community through one of its toughest times. I could see the pressure he was under. A manager at Caltex in Batemans Bay, James was working when the bushfire emergency warning to evacuate came through. It was an avalanche, a tsunami of people just getting out of town. The former cop was working around the clock. This swarm of people just inundated the store. As the angry orange sky turned black, the roads in and out of town were closed. Well, that's when all hell broke loose. Our phone systems all went down, our FPOS all went down, everything crashed. James sprung into action, hunting for a generator. And within just four hours, Caltex is back in business. So, like, you can tell he's going above and beyond, right? He's a cool head under pressure. Look at the lines out the front of the joint. He worked eight days non-stop, no fucking sleep, extreme times. The house, the town is burning to the ground. They're surrounded by fire. This is exactly the guy you want in one of these scenarios, isn't it? This is exactly the kind of guy you want in a place like this. Someone who's not going to lose their shit. Someone who, you know, keeps calm in a crisis. Somebody who's got the shit under control. He seems like a model employee to me. So what possibly has gone wrong, I hear you ask? <laughs> You're not going to fucking believe this. RFS volunteer Robert Black says if it hadn't... Like, what you need to keep in mind too with this kind of story is just when you, when you watch something like this, bear in mind all of the pieces of human garbage that you've come across in your life. You know, the lazy, the entitled... Uh, the people, like the thieves, the undeserving, the scummy individuals, and think about what they get handed to them. You know what I mean? That's that's what I think of anyway when I see stories like this. So why did he lose his job, I wonder? If it hadn't been for James, firefighting efforts would have been hampered. They would have had to get a fuel tanker in, which probably would have been a lot harder and wouldn't have worked, I don't think. This was more than just a job. It's my hometown. 
He's in fucking tears. He's fighting back tears. He protected his hometown. He's they, the locals again are saying he saved the town because of his actions working at this gas station, right? And he's fighting back the tears, thinking about it. Born and bred down here, friends losing homes. As the crisis continued, desperate people began stealing from the service station. Here it comes. One loaf of bread per person, please remain calm. On social media, James Here was hailed a hero. So, right, so he's working at the service station, he's working at the gas station, then panic starts to set in. People start stealing shit. They're stealing petrol. They're trying to buy up all of the supplies at, the, at once, right? Fuck everybody else. Fuck my neighbours. Fuck my friends. They can starve. Who gives a fuck them, right? So he's stepping in. No, no, come on, guys. We're all we're all Bateman's people. We're all we're all from Bateman's Bay here. We're all we're all neighbors. We're all brothers and sisters. Let's just fucking keep calm. Let's help each other through this. The the scum starts to in situations like this, you know, people say the cream rises to the top. In situations like this, the scum rises to the top. Praised not only by locals, but even the CEO of Caltex. The CEO was a fan. The CEO liked his work. He was there day in, day out. Liz Innes is Mayor of Yurubadala Shire Council. There was a uh, line-up from Caltex. The Mayor is a fan? Effectively for kilometres. The last thing that you expected. Okay, Movie Time Blues is putting out a... This is good. Put it. Put your predictions out there why you think this guy got fired. So I'm not going to I'm not going to give you any spoilers. So Movie Time Blues, uh, he predicts that he was fired for putting petrol in trucks without collecting money for it. That's not a bad idea. That's not a bad suggestion. So I don't know. Put in the chat why you think this guy would have got fired. <laughs> I guarantee you that nobody gets it. Overtime. Angel Poop saying because he did too much overtime. Rockin' America saying he gave away food. Okay, these are all, uh, you know, they're not ridiculous suggestions by any stretch of the imagination. All right, let's keep rolling. I don't know. <laughs> Space Force Droid says, I don't know, I'm just looking at the blonde. <laughs> okay. Out of all of this was to lose your job. Aaron and I thought I could lose the house. Because his boss sucks ass. Uh, Amberlina says, making it appear the owner gives a shit about helping others. Gary Vance says, child abuse. <laughs> I thought I could lose my animals. The very last thing I ever thought was losing my job. So why was James sacked? The store looked like locusts had hit it. Supply Robbie Don't Care says, gave water bottles. Jennifer Briggs says, he reprimanded the wrong person, protected class. You're the closest, but still not quite including cigarettes, were running low. A customer comes in. Fired from where? From the gas station. He made a tyrant of accusations about us putting prices up. James says the man then left the store but returned 20 minutes later and began abusing customers and staff. OK, so paint the picture here. It's a crisis. The town has been ordered by the police to evacuate because the town is literally going to burn to the ground. 
This guy has been working eight straight days without sleep. He has kept the town running. He's kept the firefighter trucks fueled. He's kept everybody fed. He's, you know, basically kept order when people were trying to riot at this gas station. The CEO of the company praised his efforts. The mayor praised his efforts. And all of the townsfolk regard him as a hero. So on day eight of this marathon stretch, this guy comes in. And what did he want? Fucking cigarettes or something? Tried to, did he try to steal cigarettes, I think he said? Including cigarettes were running... The st- was losing my job. So why was James sacked? The store looked like locusts had hit it. Supplies, including cigarettes, were running low. A customer comes in. He made a tyrant of accusations about us putting prices on. Right. James says the man then left the store, but returned 20 minutes later and began abusing customers and staff. Okay. Out to take his photo, he continued to walk away until I said, hey, enough. And that's when I went and put my hand on him to be physically take him off premises. He claims the man reached into his hoodie and fearing that he may have a weapon, James grabbed him. I've gone to neutralise his arm. I um, manhandled him. I physically turn him towards the front entrance, but he fought away from that, so then I hit him. You punched him? I punched him. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) He punched the guy. He punched the guy who was in the store abusing staff and abusing customers who refused to leave. Right, and then he, as he walked out, he thought the guy, like the guy, reached into his hoodie for who, for God knows what. This, by the way, this guy, this guy here on the screen, the employee is a former copper. He's a former policeman, so he knows. Like he, he they, they're trained to look for shit like that. Like if you reach into your shirt a certain way, if you put your body in a certain position, they know that you're ready to start punching. Right. So, like, you can tell even by the term, like, the word that he used, neutralised. That's that's something a cop says. That's a cop word. I neutralise the threat. Regular people just say, oh, I punched the fucking guy in the face. Fuck him. But a copper will say, well, there was a threat and I neutralised it. Right? So he punched this guy in the face. <laughs> the next day, James received a call from his... The next day. So this guy who went in there, accused them of price gouging, who was abusing customers, abusing staff, right? What Again, in the middle of a fucking evacuation, end-of-world type crisis. This guy then reports him. See, even, like, if I was that guy, I don't think I could report the dude for punching me in the face. No way. Like, I would get home and after, you know, I'd have a couple of drinks or something and I'd be sitting there. I might be pissed off for a while, but after, you know, an hour or two, I'd probably think, you know what, I've made a fucking ass out of myself. I deserve that. And I might even buy the guy a case of beer because, like, think of the circumstances. And I might go back there and say, look, man, I'm fucking sorry, eh? Like, it's just crazy. Everyone was going crazy. It's a crazy time. I was, I acted, I did the wrong thing. I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry, you, you, you've you got nothing to worry about, man. Here, have a case of beer. You know what I mean? Not this fucking piece of shit. This piece of shit goes racing home and calls up head office. Says, your, your employee just punched me. I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. <laughs> didn't do nothing. The Australian didn't do nothing. 
his area manager, telling him he'd been stood down. Two weeks later, he was terminated for breaching Caltex's code of conduct. Unbelievable. Lawyer Sam Macedoni. Yes, technically, it's in breach of the code of conduct for Caltex. However, you've got to look at the circumstances. A warning would have been sufficient. In a statement, Caltex stood firm on their decision, telling a current affair. Caltex has undertaken an investigation of the conduct of the employee. We don't tolerate violence in any form and we're left with no option but to terminate his employment. While James admits he was in the wrong, he believes Caltex overreacted. They crowed. They crowed very loud. They let everybody know what a great job we were doing. But then they threw me under the bus. <laughs> Fucking BS. BS. And part of the reason why I love being an Australian, you know, I've got to admit that I can imagine in other countries around the world that the sympathy would always go to the guy who was punched in the face. Like the sympathy would just naturally go to him. Not here. <laughs> Not in this country. In this country, the sympathy goes to the guy who punched him in the face. And they'll say something like, you're a bunch of assholes <laughs> sacking this guy. So I'm sure he'll get a job somewhere else. Maybe as a boxing trainer, who knows? Uh, maybe in private security. Maybe he'll end up working security. That's the, that's the ironic thing. He'll probably get a job in private security and then work at the same petrol station that he used to be the manager of <laughs> to keep that same guy out of, out of the way of the uh, customers. Who knows? All right. Uh, we've got one more item, ladies and gentlemen, to get through tonight, and I think it's probably the most important one. All of our efforts have been building up to this moment. As you know, ladies and gentlemen, on this program, we are a body positive podcast. We are tolerant. We are progressive. We believe that you should be the best version of you that you can possibly be. And so we will celebrate, ladies and gentlemen, body positivity until we can no longer do this show. Because it's something I really believe in. Hmm. Because we don't want you feeling down. <laughs> Sorry. We don't want you feeling like less of a human being. We don't want you feeling down and out. We don't want you to feel at any time like you've got something to prove here. We just want you to be you, man. We just want you to be the best you that you can be at all times. So we love you. I love you just the way you are I just can I just before we get to this can I just give a wag of the finger to um Joy of Pessy and Mersh on Nightwave Radio I have to I'm, I fucking hate both of you now because because I watched last night last night's edition of Nightwave I've had fucking uh, Robelier or whatever his fucking name is I've had his song stuck in my head for like 24 hours now <laughs> Do you, what's I, now? I'm going to have to show you. I'll, I'll show you because it's just so goddamn fucking funny to me. I'll show you, Mark Rabie, Rabie, I think that's how you say it. I'll show you this guy because because Nightway because Mersh played this on his fucking show last night, and because he got it from Joy of Pessy. I've now been obsessed with this fucking guy for the last 24 hours. 
I could have been doing prep for the show. I could have been bringing up like articles for the show. What I had here, like I already had. So I could have been doing more, but I, I've been fu- instead. I've spent the last, you know, twenty. When I was awake over the last twenty four hours, I've done it watching this guy's live sets and shit. So, <laughs> so this guy, Mark Rabia, uh, he's like an improv musician. So all of his music he makes up on the spot, off the top of his head. So that you know the drum beats, the vocals, uh, the bass lines, the melodies. And he's a funny fucker as well. So he's doing this gig in this restaurant and he just comes out with shit. So uh, I'm playing this to show you guys, if you didn't watch Nightwave last night, you missed out. But I'm also saying, fuck you, Joy of Pessim Merch, because now I'm obsessed with this fucking cat and I can't, I can't get him out of my mind. But then straight after this, we'll look at the big tit freak. I'm sorry, sorry. Not the big tit freak. We're very body positive on this show. I, I, I slipped up. Don't fire me, Caltex. This guy's a fucking musical genius, I think. Girls club, girls club, I said 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 girls club, girls club, but I want to be in it. I want to be in that girls club. I want to be in that girl club. <laughs> I got to be in that girl club. Yeah, someone let me on into the motherfucking girls club. I just want to do my hair. Hey, I just want to do my makeup. I just want to do my thing. Melina said it best, uh, best on Twitter when I posted this link. She said his confidence is unstoppable. <laughs> and you know, like the way he looks, like that super nerdy look, that's what makes it, I think. If he looked like a big, handsome, strong guy, it wouldn't work. He has to look this way. You're not allowed, Gary. Remember, he's just making this up as he goes. It's a girls club, Gary. What's the password? Fidelio? No! <laughs> this is not eyes wide, you fucking freak. Okay? Jesus. I just, there aren't a bunch of people having sex in there? No, well. Not, it's none of your concern. So there are a bunch of people having sex in there? Gary? Just know what I can feel it, yo. They're having sex. And, and uh, uh, oh, uh, <laughs> you look at the faces on the people uh, in the restaurant. They're, they're, they're cringing and laughing at the same time. Let me in, I'm trying to fuck. 
fucking rock out, man. <laughs> Thank you. What a fucking legend. So I've had that stuck in my head for 24 hours. Let me in, I'm trying to fuck. Do, 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 do. Let me in, I'm trying to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> All right, where were we? All right, yeah, the big tit bitch. Let's go. <laughs> My breasts are currently 6,000. Hello! Hiya! Woo! Have a look at that! <laughs> She's looking good, huh? Whoa, baby. That is something. She's got, she's got big things in front of her, this girl. <laughs> My breasts are currently 6,640 cc's. 6,640 cc's. Wow. I, I don't know what a cc is, but she's got a lot of them. Oops. A double Z cup in the US. A double and Z. And they're still growing. From there, it's... Well, they're not growing. <laughs> You're making them bigger, but they're not growing. You stopped growing a long time ago, dear. You know, that you can't say my boobs are still growing. It's going to depend on how my skin is handling it. <laughs> now, I don't know. This is something I've heard from. And, you know, you don't have to give up any personal details here, ladies. You can see where this is going. <laughs> Something I've heard from more amply bosomed females, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, if you if you get these if you get these ladies like talking in private and being honest, pretty much all of them say that they hate having big boobs. They don't, they don't like it. So whilst you know. I think the stigma out there, the stereotype out there is like all like women who actually have large breasts always roll their eyes at the women who don't have large breasts who say that they want large breasts because they're like, no, you don't trust me. It's really shitty. And it's not the same thing, but I can see what they're getting at because I'm a tall guy, right? I'm six, five. And I always hear from shorter guys that they'd love to be tall. And I, I say, no, you don't. It's a pain in the ass. Every hotel in you stay in, your feet hang over the edge. Um, you know, like we were talking about cruise ships earlier. The last cruise I went on, I couldn't stand up straight in the shower for 10 days. I had to stand like crouched over like the hunchback of Notre Dame because my head wouldn't fit in the shower room. People are constantly asking you to get shit off shelves. You have back problems and knee problems. You die sooner. <laughs> Tall people don't live as long. So all of these things, short guys are always like, oh, man, I wish I was a tall guy. No, you know. So this is the, the kind of thing that I hear from amply breasted ladies is that, you know, um, having big tits, nobody wants. It's shitty. Nobody likes it. They get in the way. Like Cheryl and Chad, how does she sleep? You have a sore back. Your shoulders hurt. You can't find bras that fit you properly. Right? But this, this chick here, she, she's gunning for it. She wants it. She wants the problems. She's dedicated to the problem. She can't live without big boobs. My name is Fuck. <laughs> it's fucking. 
It just like <laughs> just it's 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 a shock to the system. I have 6,640 cc breast. Let me in, I'm trying to fuck. Do, 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 do. Let me in, I'm trying to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking let me out. Let me out, I don't want to be in here. I like a lot of things to do with music, so I have a lot of Edison machines and Victrolas. There's another Victor phonograph. The different horns on each one give it a different sound. The Logan speakers. They have expanders. This is like, look around my apartment. Look at all my, look at all my adorable things that have nothing to do with my tits. So, so yeah, they're still getting. Fo her name is Foxy Menagerie. <laughs> Bigger. <laughs> Inside each side, so each boob, there's a port. You get there's a hose or a line. You're able to hook this up to your saline bag. She's like a, she's like a fuel tanker. So on each on each tit, there is a little port, and you hook up a tube to this port, and that's how you can either inject or uninject uh, your saline products. So she hooks up she hooks up a tube to her tits and starts pumping the fluid in. <laughs> I mean, she's she's like a septic tank pump. You end up using a needle hooked on the line. You have about the diameter of a quarter. Robbie don't care in the chat. She's a fucking camel. <laughs> the hump's on the front. To be able to fit that needle into, otherwise you pop and you go sailing you across pop. the ceiling. You Won't pop, be good. Pop, 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 I really titties. don't have a goals set in mind for what size my breasts are gonna go <laughs> did you hear that she's not done <laughs> i don't really have a, the, the cameraman has to like if she were if she were to hug somebody they'd be standing 10 feet apart at this point if you're listening to the podcast that's how extreme it's getting so she's sitting there. The cameraman has to sit on the opposite side of the room and zoom in because otherwise his camera will rest up against her breasts and she's like, well, you know, I haven't really set any goals. You know, the sky's the limit as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not through here. I'm not done with this yet. I'm just going to see how far we can go. A quick reminder, what was it? Six and a half thousand cc's of fluid, and she is officially a double Z cup in US standards. I had 2,000 cc shelves put in. Since I've been feeling so much and they're getting so large, I'm spacing out the time difference to give my skin longer to stretch. Yeah, because you've got to be responsible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't want to rush into this. Well, you... <laughs> well, you see, because, I, because I've been pumping so much fluid in and because my breasts are getting so big, uh, I've decided to now space out the time when I enlarge them with more fluid because I want to give my skin time to stretch. You know, this is the advice I got from my doctor, you see. He said, look, dear, if you're going to strap uh, two buoyancy balloons to the front of your chest, then don't rush it. You know, just take it slowly. We want them to look natural, basically. We don't, because the last thing you want, 
when you have two medicine balls hanging from your shoulders is the skin to stretch and look, you know, a little bit ridiculous. That could be embarrassing. So we need to do this properly, properly if we're going to do it at all. Took me a bit of it more. I am so close to 7,000 cc's from... Because you've got to have goals in life. <laughs> there, it's going to depend on how my skin is handling it. Well, by the looks of your face, I'm sure there won't be any problems. By the looks of your face, it seems that you have very beautiful adaptive skin. From the looks of you, it looks as though you take to plastic surgery like a duck to water. I mean, at least you're doing the right thing and not rushing it, right? You're being responsible. I started all of my surgeries five or six years ago. Five, I... six. Whoa! <laughs> That's what she used to look like? Like, you know, when you see pictures of like, when you watch these like plastic surgery horror shows and you see the before and after, they look completely different, but you can still tell that it's them, right? She doesn't look anything like what she used to look like at all. Like I don't see any features that are the same. Can you? She looks like a completely different person. Like she's stolen the identity of this person and just, you know, renamed a passport or something. I don't see anything in this past photo that looks like the person we see now. Got divorced. Ah, ah, there it is. I mean, look at the difference here. There, like that was then. This is now. Then, now. Then, now. So the truth comes out, right? So this is what I used to look like. And I didn't have a problem. But then what happened, ladies and gentlemen? Ah, that cruel, that cruel sword of destiny. F male rejection happened. Mm -hmm. She got a divorce. Now, I do wonder, because I am a very cynical person, I do wonder if uh, the, the husband, the husband may have been a bit, of a bit of a piece of shit and he may have got himself some more amply breasted, uh, large-lipped piece of young ass. Do you think that that's a possibility? I think that's a possibility. I'm putting that on the table. I am officially tabling that possibility, that she got a divorce after the husband was caught fucking around with, like, a young chick who had big knockers and big lips, right? And she was like, fuck you, you get out of my life. And now slowly, without admitting it, without admitting it, you know, because there's some kind of psychological thing. This is all just a suggestion, just my opinion, just an opinion. So without admitting it, she has now slowly just subconsciously sought to become the young piece of ass that her husband was lured in by. I, I'm putting that on the table. Surgeries five or six years ago, I got divorced. When I got divorced, I went ahead and so I got my first two boob jobs within three months. And 
Wow, that's a rebound, huh? <laughs> two, she got two boob jobs. Two. So the first one obviously didn't take. The first one wasn't good enough. It's like, let's let's double down. Let's go again. Put me back on the table. Don't know. There isn't time for my scars to heal properly. Cut me open. Let's do this one more time. Within three months of the divorce. Straight onto the operating table. I thought, like, conventional wisdom has always told me that you know, the best way to get over somebody is to get under somebody else, right? She took it the wrong way. She said the best way to get over somebody is to get under the knife, is to get butchered on the operating table and have plastic shoved into my face. But, you know, each to their own, I guess. And then it kind of snowballed from there. Snowball. It's <laughs> one, one fucking hell of a snowball. That's an avalanche, my dear. Taken a lot to get me to this point. Yeah. And it's also taken a lot of my friends to be able to help me achieve this look. Ah, you mean enablers? Because <laughs> I always wonder, wait, where's that friend? Where's that friend that says, you know, uh, dear, you know, we've been friends for like twenty five years. You respect my opinion, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you going down this path? Like, don't you think you've had enough? Don't you think it's a little extreme? Don't you think you're, you know, being a bit ridiculous? I always wonder where that friend is. They never seem to interview that friend on these kinds of clips. They never seem to get to that person. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure that friend is out there. But maybe, you know, our, our voluptuous sweetheart here probably doesn't want that kind of negativity in her social circle anymore. You know, why can't you just support me? It's like, sweetie, they don't make bras that support those hideous fucking mountains that you've strapped to yourself. How do you expect me to support you? <laughs> Friends like Margaret, who is going to come over today and do fillers, without her, I wouldn't have the same look. Thanks, Margaret. Margaret's coming over to do fillers. Without her, none of this would be possible. Well, isn't she a nice friend? Thanks, Margie. Thanks, Margie. Thanks for making this all possible. Do we blame Margaret when uh, things start exploding if she stands too close to a radiator? And here we go. When her face starts melting on a hot day, do we blame Margaret then? Foxy five years ago looked completely different comparing what it's how she's looking right now. You always notice, too, the people who administer these treatments never go to this extreme, do they? Like, we've done shows before about people getting ridiculous amounts of plastic surgery, and the plastic surgeon looks like he has the complexion of an old leather wallet. Like, he would never get any work done. He would never do to you. He would never do to himself what he does to you. Now, you can see here, Margie, best friend Margie who brings the lip fillers over. She's, you could tell she's had a little bit of lip filler put in, but that's, that looks pretty much it, doesn't it? Like I can't noticeably tell any kind of work. You, you can usually tell when people have had a lot of work done, especially when they start getting into that, you know, that 50-year-old range because the skin that hasn't had work done doesn't match the skin that does, so it becomes more obvious. So she looks like she's had a bit of lip filler put in, but that's probably it. <laughs> And she doesn't seem to have any problem, you know, pumping her friend full of toxic poison, <laughs> full of fucking plastic shit. Oh, good. That's what good friends do. Now I'll now I'll do you, Margie. No, that's okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. Completely different comparing what it's what, how she's looking right now. 
would you ever get surgery done like this? Here it is. For myself? Yeah. Um, well, the question is... Um, no, she can't... <laughs> See, I haven't watched it. I didn't know that that was coming. I haven't watched this. It's it's funny how fucking often that happens because it's kind of predictable, right? I, I swear to God, I haven't watched this. I watched like the first 20 seconds or something. I'm like, yep, yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> so would you ever get this kind of plastic surgery done? And instead, she can't just say no because she wants to be, she wants to look like she's supporting her friend. You know what I mean? She can't just say no. Fuck no. I would never do that. That's fucking insane. That's what crazy people do. Hi, Foxy. Are you ready for your next round of fucking lip fillers? Are you ready for your next round of Botox, honey? I'm here for your Botox. Would you ever get Botox? Fuck no. People who do that are crazy cunts, man. (laughs) She can't say that. So she's going to have to redefine the question so she can give an appropriate answer that doesn't offend her friend who's also getting the work done, who's probably paying her, let's be honest. She's looking right now. Would you ever get surgery done like this? For myself? Yeah. Um, Well, the question is, um, it's me personally, I prefer small. It's just me personally. That crazy bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It's the preference. And that was it. You did really good. You did amazingly. I got my lips back. Yeah, keep holding the pressure. They're a little flatter for a while. Sometimes I am worried about my health. I've had something go wrong in the past. My one breast had opened up. Look at this, look, like the profile shot. It's like a perfect circle, isn't it? <laughs> it's like a, it's like she's got a basketball under her shirt. It's just two basketballs pinned to her chest. That's what it looks like if you're listening to the podcast. Three and a half inches. Yeah, Lou in the chat fucking nails it. I was thinking the same thing. Was saying I, I prefer the natural look was on the tip of her tongue. She stopped herself from saying it. Oh, I prefer the smaller. <laughs> oh, you mean more believable, more realistic, more, dare I say, natural? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Are you ready for your next round of Botox, honey? Uh-huh. Um, the Let's surgeon- do this. <laughs> UK Neil said it's an eclipse. Stopped talking with me and wouldn't pick up my phone or answer my emails. And I was scared for my life. I went to Europe and um, I had it fixed. And at the same time, I'm a value shopper. So for the same price. This is a potentially deadly psychological cocktail of ingredients, ladies and gentlemen. We want to butcher ourselves on the operating table after a divorce. We want to strap two basketballs to our chest. Pardon me. We want to inject ourselves with saline, but not so fast as to cause our skin to stretch. We have to wait for our skin to stretch so it it can look natural before we pump in a few extra hundred cc's. We want Botox and, uh, you know, fluids injected into our face to make our lips so big um, that they are touching the bottom of our nose and the bottom of our chin. But at the same time, I don't want to spend too much money. value shopper this is not a good you know 
Value shopper, I think, applies when you're buying like dishwashing liquid or or laundry liquid, for example. Or if you're buying, say, you know, toilet paper for the guest room. (laughs) Because fuck them, they can wipe their ass with the cheap shit. Take a shit in my house, you're not getting the quality stuff. Value shopper, I don't think would necessarily, you know, it's not something I would be looking for when I'm talking about, how can I put this? Drastic life-altering appearance-altering surgery. <laughs> it's not something that I'm, you know, looking for. Price, I, w- I, I probably want quality over value when it comes to this. I was able to get... Ma- maybe I'm the idiot, though. Expanders and make... I mean, she is the expert. Plastic surgery for Boogie Bumper? Zero. Plastic surgery for this chick? Ah, about $80,000 worth. But I saved 60000 so that's the key. My boobs grow <clears throat> even bigger. I can't get it like, like I it can't go like between. I have to kind of play with where the belt sits. <laughs> you don't have to worry about a seatbelt, dear. You're walking around with permanent fucking airbags. What are you talking about? If she was a car, if she was in a car accident, she'd fly through the windshield and then bounce off the front of the truck and then back into the front seat again. You got nothing to worry about. The worst thing about having such large breasts are some of the the. Silly little things that I discover I suddenly cannot do. What silly little things like that might that be? See your own vagina? <laughs> walking, walking, walking onto manhole covers because you can't see where you're walking. Bumping into doors five minutes before you get to the room. Stuff like that. Put your hands together in front of your in front of your chest. Can you do that? Silly little things. Who needs to be able to do that anyway? I can just walk around like T-Rex with little arms poking out the side of my body. My hands don't need to be able to meet in front of my chest. I don't need that. That's a silly little thing. Who needs that? Wipe your ass. On the front burner of the stove, not a good idea because then it's like Mrs. Doubtfire. That was bad. Um, she can't cook on the stove. Well, that's sure to land another man with that with that talent taken out of the playbook. Walking downstairs. Can't walk down the stairs front first. <laughs> I don't know about you. That doesn't strike me as a silly little thing. Not being able to walk downstairs front first. Not being able to walk downstairs safely sounds not like a silly little thing. Sounds like a potentially neck-breaking thing. A potentially death thing. Ah, silly little thing. I, I fall a lot, so I hold on. To- she's, she's saying, I fall a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'm falling over all the time, so I can't walk down the stairs front first. I got to be careful about that. You know, I can't put things on the on the front cooker on the stove. Because you you got to that was like Mrs. Doubtfire. You know, I'm falling over all the time. But the best thing is, like, I just bounce right back up onto my feet again. So I don't have to worry too much about that. The rail. It's just these silly little things that I didn't know I couldn't do. To save my life. It's kind of, I go sideways and I hang on for dear life. <laughs> and then I'm good. Every time we go out, every time when we go out, they are like, get surprise you know and then the next thing you know that everybody wants to take pictures with her (sighs) 
I'm going to break one of the golden rules. Okay. You sound like you're from Minnesota. I'm going to break one of the golden rules. <clears throat> Ladies in the chat. <laughs> Male attention isn't that important anyway. You really don't have to work that hard to get male attention. Pretty sh pretty much. If you if you have a vagina and you're in the room, you will at some point get male attention from somewhere at some time. This looks to me like an exercise after a divorce for male attention. But you kind of have to weigh that up. What kind of male attention are you looking for? Are you looking for the kind of male attention where a guy would come up, take a selfie with you, and then upload that selfie to Twitter or Instagram, for example, and say something to the effect of, check out the tig old biddies on this crazy whack bitch that I met at a club. <laughs> Is that the kind of male attention you want? Yo, check it out, this big teddy freak bitch over here. Get my picture taken with these lovely jubblies. Mm, I'm gonna go rub my face in there. You take my picture, homeboy. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Is that the kind of male attention that you're after? The, that's that's the kind you're gonna get when you do this. Honestly, wow. <laughs> I've, I've gotten a little carried away. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Oh my God! Look at these tick old bitties here. I just just a teensy bit. <laughs> She's loving it. She's loving it. Boobs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Boobs. know what you mean. <laughs> well, she's beautiful, of course. They're they're gorgeous. Like, look at them. They're so she's lying. <laughs> this chick is fucking lying through her back teeth. Well, she's uh, you know she's beautiful, of course. You don't say of course at the end if you're telling the truth. Well, she's beautiful, of course, and I mean they're just like amazing. <laughs> He's fucking lying her ass off. I'm mad that I have kids. Like. I'm mad. I would get this. I would have these done too, but, you know, I don't want to. I mean, if I didn't have, you know, so much going on in my life, if I didn't have kids and whatever, then, like, I would totally be down for, like, doing this kind of drastic reconstructive surgery. Yeah, I would definitely be down for this. If I, you know, I got kids. So. <laughs> Kind of gets in the way. <laughs> <laughs> the surgeries I have planned in the future. First, more. So, I want to hear about the future surgery plans. Surgery. Will I, I hope we see her on the operating table, because that's always my favourite part of these little videos is when they start cutting these people open. Being my butt, I cannot. Get get some butt work done. Nice. Why? I don't know why. Nobody's going to be looking at your fucking ass at the, from now on for the rest of your life. But you have at it. Go for it. Wait, and I want it to be able to balance the front half so that I don't tip board. <laughs> yes! She's... <laughs> so she's going to get... She wants the same amount of weight put into her ass to counterbalance. So she's, she's thought this through. Like, we shouldn't joke. She's actually a pretty smart woman. She's thought this through. She's getting sick of constantly falling on her face when she tries to walk around because the breasts have six and a half thousand cc's of fluid in them. 
that otherwise would not be there. And so she's put an artificial um, ballast on the front and she needs a counterweight. Like, you know, those big cranes that lift shipping containers off docks. They have a big weight at the back to stop the crane tipping forward. She is a human crane. So she's going to put the same amount. Yes, the equal. she's equalizing her weight distribution, you see. She could be an engineer or something. I don't know. I suspect she is. Because <laughs> she's thought this through. You know what? You know, <laughs> because the problem isn't uh, the ridiculously oversized breast implants. That's not the problem. The problem is that I don't have a sufficient counterweight strapped to my ass. <laughs> So we don't reduce the breasts, we pump up the ass instead. It's like we don't raise the bridge, we lower the water. <laughs> Sexy. Let me in, I'm trying to fuck. Dun, 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 dun. Let me in, I'm trying to fuck, yeah. My family doesn't really understand the look, which I can't, I can't blame them. This is not an easy look to take in if you're not used to it. And I look a lot different than I how I certainly was born, do. So I well, everyone looks different to how they were born. <laughs> Nobody fucking comes out of the womb looking like this. If they did, they'd, they'd fucking burn you with fire. Oh, my God, what the fuck is that? Ah! I can understand the difficulty. I think she's very conservative. I Did you hear that? Did you hear what Mar sweet Margaret said? <laughs> well, you know, I think she's very conservative. She's not going too far. <laughs> Fuck it. She needs a real friend now. She needs a real friend to try and give her a hug from 10 feet away and say, honey, honey, that's it. That's it. We're done here. You've got to stop this. You need to stop this right now. <laughs> no. Margaret. <laughs> She's very conservative. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh too much because she might be at it. She might be at the next Turning Point USA fucking speech for all I know. Hey, this is body body positivity is now part of the conservative movement. Let's bring out Foxy Menagerie and her oversized breasts. Oh, this she's very conservative. <laughs> she's living a conservative lifestyle. I can understand the difficulty. I think she's very conservative. I think she knows what she's doing. And we do talk about it, you know, the safety, you know, she knows that there is a fine line, you know, how far you go and how far you don't. She. <laughs> she knows how far to go. She knows that there's a line. I don't know, again, I, I must be a fucking idiot. I would have thought the line was you have to walk backwards downstairs because if you don't, you'll fall to your fucking death. I thought that was pretty much a line. No, no, we're not even close to the line yet. Let me tell you about the future surgeries I've got planned. Let me tell you about the surgeries I've got booked in on the calendar as we speak. I'm going to get 6,500 cc's pumped into my ass next. That'll stop the stair problem. We've only just begun. 
puts her health at first. She puts her health first, guys. It's reassuring. I am addicted to surgeries. I mean, if I want to admit it or not, I, I really am. I look forward to them. Um, I plan them out and I research them quite a bit. That's good. That's good. <laughs> it's like being addicted to heroin isn't a problem as long as you do your homework. <laughs> As long as you know the good heroin from the bad heroin, and as long as you know how much heroin you can take before uh, you start falling downstairs, then, you know, then you can take enough heroin to fall down the stairs. But at least you know that you're addicted. So that's, that's, that's fine at that point. I am addicted to surgery. I look forward to it. I plan them out. I do my research. What's the problem? Because I want to make sure that I'm going to... And so, like, I'm... This is going to sound real, like, and again, I don't care. If somebody wants to do this to themselves, fucking fine. Have at it. It's not going to affect me. Unless I have to sit next to her in a fucking bus or something. But, you know, even that, I tend to stand on buses and trains anyway. I don't like sitting next to people on buses and trains. So I'll probably stand. But if, I mean, if I've got to stand next to her and I'm squished up against a fucking door or something, then it'll be a problem. But I don't see that, I don't foresee that as a future situation that I'm going to have to deal with. So ultimately, I don't care, but I'm watching this for my own amusement, you know, for my own curiosity, because I like to study human behavior. So that's why I'm having a look at this. So, you know, I don't care if she gets more surgery. Done. I don't care if they, <laughs> you know, I don't care if she ends up just looking like a beach ball, like just a pure round circle with a face on it. If that's what she wants, then fine. I fucking have at it. But Aren't the doctors at some point supposed to say, don't they have, isn't there something called the Hippocratic Oath that says they should not do harm to people? And surgeons, correct me if I'm wrong, are doctors, aren't they? Or are we just handing out, like, can anybody be a surgeon now? Like you don't, there's, like, it's like there's no ethics in plastic surgery whatsoever. If there was, if there was ethical stands, remember when plastic surgery started, it was all about, uh, helping people who had shit like third degree burns or scars or, you know, some kind of disfigurement. It was ultimately like a uh, an exercise in trying to improve the lives of people. How is this improving her life? Other than it, she thinks it makes her feel better. But she, she also admits that she can't walk down fucking stairs without breaking her neck. She can't put a seatbelt on in the car. She can't cook on the. She can't do things that she used to be able to do. She's effectively disabled. If someone came to you and didn't have plastic surgery and they said, "I can't walk down the stairs without falling over," you would you would give them a disabled sticker to put on their car. You would say, "You poor, you poor son of a bitch. That's so unfair." But what if they do it to themselves? So shouldn't the surgeon say, "I think you've had enough"? Like, why is it that I can go to a bar? and drink whiskey all night, and the barman can come out to me and say, no, you've had enough, it's time to leave. But if I'm getting plastic surgery done, there's never a limit. I can just keep walking in. I can keep going back to the well. I can keep drinking. And, you know, the plastic surgeon who would be acting as the barman says, here, would you like another shot? Would you like another drink? Would you like me to just pour whiskey down your throat straight from the bottle? Would that be okay? I tell you what, why don't we inject whiskey into your eyeballs so we can just, like, let's just hook it straight up to your vein right now. I'll put the whiskey into a bag and we will hook it straight and pump it directly into your bloodstream. How about that? Oh, it sounds great. 
aren't they ever going to aren't they ever going to say ah oh, you know maybe maybe you should rethink this drastic life altering surgery that you're about to embark on especially after the 20th time nope as long as the check clears pump me pump me full of plastic doc because I'm ready to roll I've got another 10 grand you know I like to look you know I'm a val- a value hunter you know I'm a bargain hunter you know I like to get the cheap shit Virgin for the right job I brought coupons. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers, baby. Oh. (laughs) I want to achieve the perfect hourglass figure. (laughs) Perfect hourglass figure. More of a Jessica Rabbit or... Somebody said Jessica Rabbit in the chat earlier. Give yourself a round of applause. That's what she, she just said. That's what I'm going for. Jessica Rabbit. I don't know, man. I'd rather have sex with a cartoon character <laughs> than one that, than a human that's trying to look like one. <laughs> but maybe that's just me. Ah, oh, well. That brings us to the end of tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. Let me in. I'm trying to fuck. <laughs> if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to show me pictures of your ridiculously oversized breasts, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Don't forget, I'll be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. with another episode. Follow our friends at RealPersonPLTCS, at ChrisMC44, at YCensored, at UK Neil, at Mr. America, the Beard of Truth, at Winning TV, at Joy of Pessy, at uh, Irrational Times and shout out once again to Nightwave Radio for getting that ridiculous fucking song stuck in my head for the last 24 hours. I hope you all die. <laughs> I'll be back tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, at 6pm. Until then, stay calm, stay rational, God bless, and we'll see you soon. I'll open the chest right now. Not that chest, the D-Live chest. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.